Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. James, I guess the morning before an FA Cup final is a goodly morning. It is. Merry Cup Final Eve. Mmm. How are you feeling about it? Because it's been such a weird week. It's been so quiet. Obviously, the COVID-19 thing has, uh, has affected all the, the build-up and the preparations and everything else. Nevertheless, I thought there might be just a bit more buzz, a bit more hashtag content, if you mm. like, via the various official channels and, and, and what have you. That hasn't really been the case. And it's only now, as I'm talking to you, and I was on Mikel Arteta's press conference earlier this morning uh, in which he was asked would it be good to win the FA Cup about 27 times um, you know I'm beginning to feel a bit of the FA Cup final buzz so how are, how are you getting on? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, normally with an FA Cup, the club would do like a media day mm. and build up to it, um, which, you know, they haven't done. I know certain papers got access to Emmy Martinez and he spoke very well about his situation and about his career. But there's not been the kind of bombardment of hype that you would ordinarily get. And I think it is down to sort of COVID and associated practicalities. I feel, um, well, I feel very excited because I'm going to be there mm. in the stadium. Lucky which, you. Lucky me. I'll be one of those journalists talking about being very privileged and this time I'll, I'll definitely be right. Um, it will be a really strange occasion, I suspect, seeing Wembley that empty. It'll be like looking at the sort of uh, VIP seats just after half time. You know, just <laughs> nobody there. Um, but I, I'm excited. I mean, I am excited about the game. I'm a bit anxious as well mm. because it's one of those where, I mean, without wishing to go overboard, it's kind of season-defining, isn't it? Or season-saving to an extent, potentially. Yeah, and next season-defining in a big way because the implications of of not winning are, are obviously um, bad, I guess you mm -hmm. would say, in terms of finances, in terms of what we do with the squad. Just in general terms, we will have a lot less football next season if we don't win this and qualify for Europe. That's another mm -hmm. consideration that, that I think we have to deal with. On the sort of um, anxious versus excitement uh, spectrum. I mean, break it up for me in terms of your percentages, because at the moment I'm, I'm about 40% uh, excited and 60% anxious. Um, right. And I'm, I'm hopeful that through the course of this podcast and when we speak to our guests now in a few minutes' time, that might shift the other way. I think there are good reasons to be anxious and also very good reasons to be excited. I'm just feeling a little bit, ooh, a little bit, you know, the other way. Yeah, I'm probably 60, 40 positive, if you see what I mean. Okay, okay. Um, I think I feel that Chelsea are a decent matchup for us and that we, you know, I, I did want Chelsea over Manchester United, so I guess I'm a little bit more content with uh, with the final, the way it's lined up. And, yeah, I, I just, I think... It, it, I, I suppose it's been so bad at some points this season that there's part of me going... How much worse can it get? And I'm sure we'll find out. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the results against Chelsea this season. 2-1 defeat at the Emirates, mm. followed by a 2-2 draw at Stamford Bridge. And if that sequence continues, it's a 2-1 win for Arsenal. So there now I'm about 43% excited. I've given okay. myself 3% extra excitement, taken off 3% anxiety just by thinking of that. 
Well, there you go. I think that's. Uh, I think that should. If we keep doing things like that, then you'll be fine. I mean, one other thing that sort of gives me conviction is I did speak to my brother, the Chelsea fan. Yes. Uh, in boo, the week, boo. and <laughs> we had a good chat about sort of what the Chelsea team is likely to be. Um, and we spoke about the sort of respective strengths and weaknesses of the two teams. And he basically said he quite fancies Arsenal. Right. Uh, I don't know if that's just the pessimism of the football fan, but he was like, Chelsea's defence has been really bad. Arsenal are quite strong in attack. They need the result more. He said, my my money is is, is on mm. there. Has he, has he watched the Arsenal defence? Unfortunately, I mean, he's not really seen us play this season, I suspect, because <laughs> otherwise it would be a desperately uninformed opinion. Let he who is without a terrible defence cast the first stone kind of thing going on there. So. Sure, sure. So, I mean, it's it's tight. That's the thing. You know, you're 40-60, I'm 60-40. I do think this game is, is close to 50-50. Genuinely, it really mm. could go either way. And I know that's not what anyone wants to hear. They want reassurance right now, but... I don't know if we can provide it. It's incredibly tight and there's more at stake for Arsenal than there is for Chelsea. Mm, That is true. That is true. And I've seen people suggest that Chelsea won't really be up for this because, you know, they've already got Champions League qualification, etc., etc. Yeah, I don't know how anybody could suggest that when you look at Chelsea's record over the last number of years. You know, they like to win trophies they do win trophies it was similar last year wasn't it ahead of the Europa League final where people said well there's, there's not much really uh, riding on this for Chelsea uh, mm. you know in terms of in terms of what it might mean for them next season and we know how that one went so you know I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not taking anything for granted here I think we're going to have to be very very good on the day I think we're going to have to play to our strengths and hopefully offset some of Chelsea's strengths so on that in terms of the team and and everything else has anything changed for you in terms of how you might view the setup for tomorrow um based on what we said on the Arscast extra on monday i know we did have we might just do some of the questions um throughout this because it's a bit of a, a a different kind of Arscast extra. Um, let's see. I did have one here. Boom, boom, boom. It comes from uh, Vanig Bostanian, who's at 14, Vanig 23. He said, would you be okay with Ainsley Maitland-Niles starting on the right and Saka starting on the left? And I know yeah. you, had, you had talked about uh, Ainsley playing on the left-hand side. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be okay with that. I did sort of toy at one point when Mustafi got injured. I sort of explored the idea of could you play Maitland-Niles as a right wing back and and tuck Bellerin alongside I Mm. don't think uh, I don't think that would be the right call to play Bellerin as the third centre half oh no 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 no. it is an option I guess but it's there are reasons I wouldn't do it so uh, as much as I'm worried about you know Rob Holding or whoever else plays um, but yeah I think it genuinely could be any two from three with the wing backs and I don't really have a a massive problem with that. I think that Arteta needs to pick the right personnel for the right opponent. Mm. And I trust him to do that. I mean, what we don't know is, did Arteta mention anything this morning about uh, Hector, about him being fit and over the sort of calf concern that he had on the last Premier League Weirdly, there wasn't a single question about fitness and player involvement or or who might be missing or anything like that. They were too busy asking him, would it be nice to win the FA Cup? And did they find out? Did anyone eventually decide? I mean, it's a long, convoluted answer, isn't it? You know, it's one of those that's very difficult to get to the heart of. But I think essentially he, he agreed that, yes, it would be nice and good to win the FA Cup. That's it's what, a stupid that's what question to ask in a 45-minute press conference because you can never answer it. Yeah, exactly. You need much more time to go in-depth with that and explore. the different arguments. Yeah, you know, the intricacies of, of what it all means. But, you know, at the heart of it, I think he was pretty positive about that. I noticed that there hasn't yet been, or maybe there won't be, a team news update on the uh, on the official website. Maybe they don't want to tip their hat towards uh, Chelsea about who might be available or who might not be. But I did look at the training pictures and Hector's in the training picture so I'm assuming that he is okay and and ready for selection and I think when you go into a game like this it is worth remembering that Hector Bellerin has played in two FA Cup finals you know he's been there done that worn the t-shirt and I think on a day in which 
you know, you're looking for a performance and for, for the game plan to be carried out well, I do think experience of big games and big moments is is an important factor. You know, I have worries about Rob Holding, but, you know, he played the 2017 FA Cup final and played very well. Uh, David Luiz has played in cup finals. Uh, Granite Xhaka played in the 2017 final. Um, you know, you have to look at these players who've been there and done that. Even Kieran Tierney, for example, played in a lot of cup finals uh, for Celtic. So it's a day uh, and an occasion that players have to contend with because there is a um, an element of pressure. There's an element of expectation that the, the, the occasion could become too big for you. And one of the interesting parts, uh, or the more interesting parts of the press conference was when Arteta was asked about the 2014 FA Cup final. And people mm. will remember, of course, that we won that in the end. But boy, oh boy, did we make it hard work for ourselves because we went 2-0 down in the opening 10 minutes and it could have been 3-0. And it's impossible to ignore just how much pressure there was on Arsenal that day because it was our first final in a while. It was a chance to break this this nine-year trophy drought. It was against a team that we were fully expected to beat. Nine times out of ten, you would expect Arsenal to beat Hull City. And all of those things, I think, created a, a uh, an environment or, or a pressure which the Arsenal players felt in the opening stages of that game. So, you know, having players who've been there and done that, I think, is an important part. So for me, when we're talking about the right wing back, if Hector Bellerin is fully fit, Hector Bellerin plays. I mean, talking about players with experience, we had a question on the Discord from uh, Firas who said, if you had the chance to add one peak ex-Arsenal player Aaron tomorrow, Ramsey. who would it be? Aaron Ramsey, straight away. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I would be, feel much more confident if we had Aaron Ramsey. Yeah, way. like, I mean, you could go back and look, uh, what I wouldn't give for a Tony Adams, what I wouldn't give for a Patrick Vieira or a Cesc Fabregas or somebody with that kind of quality and leadership. But, you know, the first one that springs to mind is a guy who scored two FA Cup final winners for us. So, mm. you well, know. Yeah. And look, you know, you could give me any one of those four players and I would be absolutely delighted to have them in the team tomorrow. Um, you know, just to give you that that little bit of something extra. But look, we, we've got to work with what we've got to work with. We do. We do. Mm. Do you want me to run you through who I, who I think is going to play for Chelsea? Are you even interested in that? Yeah, I guess I guess so. I'd like to have an idea of of the team, I suppose. So, well, according to my brother, who you know, as far as I'm aware, makes the decisions. Which goalkeeper is playing? Caballero. Right. Shout out, by the way, to Tandem Felix on Twitter, who asked us, "Do you think Wenger will start Chesney or Ospina?" <laughs> in 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 the FA Cup traditions. I think it'll that be- debate has to be had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once it's not Petrček, I'm all right. At least, at least Bernd Leno isn't fit. We don't have to have that debate about goalkeeper. Do you oh know what I mean? my it's, goodness! It's yeah, clear. yeah. We nearly managed to sort of pull that debate out. Um, so yeah, it'll be Caballero in goal, which I think mm-hmm. is, is my least favoured choice of Chelsea's available goalkeepers. I would yeah. have quite enjoyed having a go at Kepa. Um, then the back three will be Zuma. Uh, Rudiger and Azpilicueta. Okay, that I, I mean I, they are going to play a back three, aren't they? Because they have been playing that quite certainly, yeah. yeah. And you know it's it's been a switch in the last few weeks. They played it on the last day of the Premier mm. League season. It enables them to sort of match us up. Um, apparently, Rudiger has looked shaky recently. Right, he's the potential kind of weak link, as it were. Yeah, he's also, I think, somebody who we need to be careful of from set pieces. We concede a lot of goals from set pieces, and he is quite good. So and Zuma is, is as well, yeah. Yeah, quite a threat. Mm. Um, wing backs, right. uh, Reese James, a right wing back. He's good, isn't he? He's promising, yeah, very he's promising young player. Left wing back, apparently almost certain to be Marcus Alonso. Cunt. Um, I did ask about Emerson, because sometimes... Uh, Chelsea have put Emerson in against us, but mm. Alonso apparently has been relatively important to the team in recent weeks, so he's likely to play. Now, that's another, I think, argument in Bellerin's favour is that he tends to be super motivated, doesn't he, up against Alonso? Yeah. yeah. Um, and generally fares pretty well. So that could be an interesting one to one battle. In midfield, uh, Kovacic. Right. Uh, Jorginho. Right. Um. Apparently, Angolo Kante is not going to be 
fit to play. Uh, play he's or been start or... Yeah, yeah. Apparently he might not He might not start. Um, so they're the two central midfielders. I'm just trying to think what I've got left. Oh, yeah, and then up top, uh, Giroud, obviously. Yeah. And then off him, it's two from Willian, Mount and Pulisic. Apparently Mount has been Chelsea's best player since the restart and Frank Lampard absolutely loves him. Mm. So he will probably play and Willian tends to start so the the likelihood is they may go for with Pulisic as an option from the bench it's a good um, option to have from the bench isn't it I mean I think that's probably where Chelsea are a little bit stronger than we are in terms of players who can come on and and really you know do something in the final third because if we start with Pepe Aubameyang Lacazette that's a lot that's it basically and that's why I have a sneaky sneaky suspicion that maybe 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 we might see Nketiah start Really? Mm. Just to give us something, or maybe Pepe won't start. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if you're Mikel Arteta, do you, do you like, do you throw it all in from the start and say, look, let's take it to them, let's go for it? Or do you try and keep something in reserve if you need it? Because what if we're in a position where we need something and our options from the bench are Eddie and maybe Joe Willock, Reese mm. Nelson, you know. Uh, Matt Smith. Which, yeah, well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to d- dismiss those those guys, but in terms of experience and impact and and what they might be able to do from the bench, we're we're not sure. Yeah, so. I mean, it's a high risk uh, way to go about it, but you know, I think last time on the show I said I think Saka will start on the bench, and I st- I still kind of am edging that way. Mm. Um, I basically think one of Saka or Pepe may well start on the bench to give us some kind of game-changing yeah. option. Yeah, um, And, yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure which one it will be. I think Saka, but I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, Chelsea, you look at their bench, they've got uh, Ross Barkley, potentially Pulisic, Pedro, Tammy Abraham, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Rubens Loftus-Cheek, Rubens Loftus-Cheek, Pedro, if they want to use him. They've got a lot of, uh, let's say, even though some of those guys are younger, they've got a lot of more senior experience. Yes, they do. They do. Um, they've got a they've got a stronger, deeper bench than we do. The so. price tags alone on some of those players, you yeah, know, tell their own story. But then again, then again, so did Manchester City when we played Manchester City in the semi final. They had a lot on the bench uh, in comparison to what we had, and we saw how that worked. So you know, true. It's, I mean, look, uh, my my anxiety levels have gone up again. I've I've lost that three percent now, and I'm probably down another three percent. So I'm at thirty seven sixty three at the moment in terms of anxiety okay. versus excitement. So we want to get you up to try and get you close to fifty by yeah. the end of the show. Well, I tell you what, let's try and do that, will we? With a, a very special guest and somebody who we're delighted to have uh, on the Arscast Extra, um, somebody who, uh, if anybody can raise my uh, optimism limits uh, and get me up for the cup. Not that I'm not up for the cup, but to sort of just bring it up a bit. Who better than Ian Wright, James? Mm. And if he is available and wants to be on the bench tomorrow, I'd probably give that a whirl okay. as well. We'll ask him that, will we? Okay. All right. Yeah, we'll ask him Stand by for Ian Wright. Right, on the Arscast Extra ahead of the FA Cup final, it is our great pleasure to welcome to the show the one and only Ian Wright. Ian, how are you? I'm very good, Andrew. How are you doing, Jimbo? Very good, thanks, Ian. Good to chat nice. to you. Nice one, James. Good to hear you too. How are you feeling? We, we've been discussing our, our levels of anxiety versus excitement, yeah. and, and mine is fluctuating between 99% anxiety and, yeah. and, and <laughs> about 0.1% excitement. I'm, I'm sort of worried, but you know, delighted for the occasion. How's it going Absolutely. with you? Um, I feel the same simply because I don't think that beating Liverpool and Man City has helped because like my anxiety is through the roof. But then again, at the same time, I know we're capable of, if they come at us, we are more than capable of beating them. But at the same time, I know that through our midfield and lack of creativity, if they get on top of that midfield and Giroud starts bullying people about if he's playing... That just that just worries me. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna have to be one of those games where we really 
are very resolute at the back and we're just very clinical up the top. Yeah. Do you think, Ian, we can play in the same way we did against City and Liverpool? Do you think Arsenal needs to be a bit more proactive, take the game to Chelsea no, a bit James. more? No, James, I don't think I don't think we should try and take it to them like that. I think that, that would be I think that'd be suicide from us simply because we don't create. When you look at our midfield, for us to start to try and go at Chelsea with football in acumen like Ceballos, yes, maybe might be able to create something, but yeah. We haven't got enough to sustain the pressure that's going to put that back four, which is a weak back four of Chelsea's, whoever they put out, um, under pressure. I think that we should just suck. We should just, like, for me, soak it up and just beat them on the break or play out the back like our first goal against against City. You know, when we played all the way from the back with Emi Martinez, Martinez and all the way through, just take our time like that. That's, that's what I want us to do. I don't think we're in a rush. Mm. Do you feel like that might be inviting a bit too much pressure in in terms of how how we might um exploit the Chelsea weaknesses at the back if we if we begin in that way or if our game plan is to sit deep does it invite too much pressure or is is the strength in our counter attacking basically our main strength Andrew um I think our main strength at the moment when you look at it is um the counter attacking I'm I'm hoping that if we do defend as a team, which Mikel has sorted out fantastically well, we're very organised, everybody knows what they're doing, but it's still going to have to be a resolute defensive performance. Um, but like, yeah, obviously there's a massive um, chance we're taking in calling them on, you know, um, and, and, and inviting on the pressure. But they will be wary of what we're capable of doing in the, uh, offensively, Angie. So mm. we can't have it both ways because we know that defensively we can we can give up a couple of mistakes or, you know, we, we might creep. But against Liverpool and City, we were fantastic. So you're hoping that that's the performance. And what I saw in that performance was when the opportune moment arose, we took advantage of it and we were clinical. And do you think, I mean, who do you think the key men are going to be for Arsenal? If they need to be clinical on the break, it's Aubameyang, isn't it? Without a doubt. You know, without a doubt. Um you know, I think Xhaka coming... I'm delighted that Xhaka was... You know how I used to feel about Xhaka, Andrew? Yeah. Man's ro- ro- he's risen like a phoenix in my world. <laughs> um, you know, he's now somebody that, you know, I'm I'm desperate to know that he's in the team. Ceballos has been fantastic. And, you know, when you hear Mikel talking about before the trip to Qatar, I think it was Dubai where he went. Dubai, yeah. There was a little bit of um, kind of like, they were questioning his application. And, you know, he, he, he wasn't really sure about how he's going to go. He's worked on that. He's got himself in the team. He's now a focal part of what we're doing in respect to creativity. And, you know, I think that he's somebody that, for me, he has to play. And, you know, when you look at people who are not buying into um, Mikel Arteta's plan and how it's worked out for Danny Ceballos, it's a real, it's a real bloody shame. It's can, a real shame. Can I, just on him, I think his future at Real Madrid is is up in the air uh, because of his relationship with, with Zidane. And he might sense an opportunity at Arsenal you know, to do something, whether it's to, to come back and hopefully, I, you know, he will come back on loan or, or maybe permanently next season. I think he's he's earned that with the way that he's played. But yeah. how difficult is that from the player's point of view as a lone player, you know, knowing that this is a club you may be playing your final game for? How how difficult is it or is it difficult to to maintain that level of motivation and, and commitment and putting yourself in, I won't say physical harm or anything like that, but you need to play um, w- w- with a, a physical element to your game. Yeah. You know you could pick up an injury. It might yeah. scupper your chances of whatever happens next season. You know, what's that like from the player's mindset? From a player's mindset, look, in going into that game, he's, remember, even though he's on loan from Real Madrid, he's still playing in a final. It's still a showpiece. He's still, you know, he's still got a lot of people to impress. Um, obviously, I'd like us to keep him, but it's not. You, you don't go into that game as a player thinking about injury in that, Andrew. You wouldn't go in thinking about, mm, if I put myself about, I might get injured and then what happens to me? Because mm. that is one of the outcomes that could happen, but it's the furthest from your mind because right now all you're thinking about is playing in a final for a club that you hopefully can sign for and playing the very, very best you can. So all that negative stuff, what you think about, would only probably come into his mind if he got clattered and something happened. Then all of a sudden, you start thinking about, gosh, why didn't I think of this before? This is what could happen. But the mere fact that he's going into a final, it's a prestige final, 
um, for a club that, ho- that he wants to sign for, by all accounts, you're probably going in there feeling very buoyed by the situation with another opportunity to show them that in a big game, I could come up with the goods. Ian, what do you make of the choices Mikel's got to make in terms of the attacking options? Obviously, there's Pepe Lacazette at Bemiang, but then you've got Eddie, who's been in pretty yeah. good form before his suspension, Bukayo Saka, who's another option. How do yeah. you think he'll sort of set those up and use them over the course of the 90 minutes? I think I, I think he'll probably go with experience, James. Mm. Um, because I think that you start a Saka, you start a Eddie, and this is just my opinion. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if he started Saka because he seems like he could deal with anything. Same, same with Eddie. They probably look like they can deal with anything. But if you, if you start a young player in a final like this and it's not going right, it's not quite going well, and they have to get substituted somewhere along the line, it could have a little bit of... Um, it could be some damage there, um, mm. you know, with people and the way people may judge their character in respect of a big game. So I think that for me in this game, James, I'd probably start them on the bench because even me as an, ex, an, an older player... Um, when I came off the bench for Palace all those years ago, um, I was so excited about coming off the bench, and, and I was an older player. You know what I mean? You don't. You feel like you you're, you're, you haven't got anything to lose. You only got things to gain because if you come on, you make a difference. People say, "Oh, he came on, he changed the game." You come on, you score a goal. People say, "Brilliant!" You yeah. feel brilliant. Then you're kind of ready for the next big occasion. But I think that to start with this one. And depending on how Chelsea start, because they could fly out the blocks and really try and blast us, like we've seen them do before, um, I think it wouldn't be a bad thing to go with experience. They probably would go with Pepe, Lacazette, Aubameyang. Um, I think you'll probably go with that. We'll have Xhaka in there, maybe. You know what I mean? Mm. Zabayos. Um, I don't know what's happened with um, Lucas Torreira with everything that's going on, but um, I feel like those guys there, what I've mentioned, would definitely be playing. And if they don't, and Mikel, obviously... Tactically, he's, he's far more astute than I am. He's, he might have a plan up his sleeve. You know, I'd love it, Andrew, guys. I'd love it, guys, if he did go out there and for some reason we were attacking them and we were defensively solid. But I have to go off of what I saw um, from us against Liverpool and Manchester City. And for me, that was very encouraging. Take the, You know, soaking them up, playing out from the back against Man That first goal against Man City, I'm not hearing enough about it. Mm. We literally played it from Emmy's. Emmy was on the line, literally <laughs> passing the ball out. Yeah. And, you know, that is what we're capable of. So those things excite me. But at the same time, I know that we are a team that maybe, without the pace of Mustafi, who's been unbelievable under Mikel, we could be a little bit suspect in some areas. But then we're talking about people coming from midfield, a Mason Mount, you know, even a Kovacic might join. I don't know. But like that's what we, we we I would worry about. But with no pace up there, apart from if Tammy Abraham comes on at some stage, then you've got another kind of problem. Mm. Just the the defense. I mean, do do you feel like perhaps they're more comfortable on the ball than they are defending? I think if you'd ask people six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, if you would be that worried about Shkodran Mustafi missing a cup final, people would probably not have said no. You know, they, that wouldn't have been an issue for them. But he's been probably our best defender. Um, Rob Holding's been there and done that, of course. He did play the 2017 FA Cup final in in similar... Yeah, he was brilliant. Similar kind of circumstances. Um, Are you... Do you have concerns about, you know, his form and maybe um, playing alongside David Luiz, who can be hot and cold? Um, He really needs to be hot, doesn't he? I think... You know what? I think that it's one of those... And what I like about David Luiz and why I had to come out and try to, to, to back him was... He's in, he made the mistakes and he does make mistakes. We've known that he makes mistakes, but then he has the unbelievable game, the leader mm. game, but leader by example. The fact that he came out straight away was a great example to the youngsters. That when you make a mistake and you feel it's a mistake that you are totally to blame for, then come out and apologise and go into the next game and play very well. But I think that what we have to look at with Olden um, is like, remember Pierre Mertesacker, man? When, he brought Pierre Mertesacker out of nowhere. I was thinking, Jesus Christ, he's bringing Purr into this game. I was absolutely petrified thinking, what's going to happen? His pace, they're going to rip into shreds. It was one of the great Arsenal defensive performances in a final that I think I've seen all the time. I've been at Arsenal and watched them. He was magnificent. And you're hoping that through Purr talking to Holding and everything, what can happen? Because he came from literally nowhere, Purr, mm. and played that game. So Holding, who, yeah, he, d- he didn't have a great game in a couple of games I've, I've seen, but it's a final and we've seen that he's risen to re- those occasions before. He can play. 
You know, you look at Ector, Ector, I quite like Ector's form at the moment. Tierney, you know, I don't need to say anything about Tierney because for me, he is, he is future captain material at Arsenal and leading by example on the pitch. So I'm not worried about him. I'm not worried about anybody at the back with the ball. Mm. Um, obviously, the main concerns is under pressure defensive work, what they might have to do. And that is where even Chelsea, Chelsea are worried about that as well because they've got players as well at the back who are very um, susceptible susceptible to mistakes. So you've got to put them under pressure when the time arises, Andrew. And Ian, I mean, behind that defence, I know you've been really, really impressed with Emmy Martinez, haven't you? Mm-hmm. I, I've actually gone on record as saying, my God, you know, if I'm Bernd Leno and it's such a it's such a tragedy the way he got injured at Brighton um, to lose his position. Um, you know, it, it's such a shame, but that's how it goes for goalkeepers. And there's no, you know, what can you say to try and, sweeten it for him you can't yeah. so Emmy's waited and he's been what he's been at a club since he was 16 mm. and he, you've never heard anything from him in respect of I want my chance now this is my chance when am I going to get my chance he comes in plays well he goes back out comes in plays well goes back out and you watch him you think wow he's pretty pretty confident coming out for the ball pretty confident catch wow great he gets down very well for a big man whoa his feet are very good so then you think oh god I'd love to see him sustained in a sustained period. And come on, man, if you look at the way he's played, he's a number one goalkeeper playing as a number two goalkeeper. You come in, mm. and I remember Owen Argley said, there's goalkeepers that come in, guys, and you could see it. It's like Alex Meninga when I was at Arsenal. He could not do enough on the training ground for strikers if he wanted to shoot until nine o'clock at night. He would stay out there. They come in with a confidence that make you feel they're number one goalkeepers, but they're number twos waiting for their chance. That is what he is. He is somebody now that is really pushing Burnt. And Burnt will probably know that. So what he's inadvertently done with this injury coming around mm. is given us two exceptional goalkeepers right now. And if we're going to talk about goalkeepers, we talk about their goalkeepers. That is another position for me with Chelsea that we've got to try and exploit. Their set pieces, whether it's Willie Caballero or Kepa, we have got to get those goalkeepers under pressure as soon as we can. Talk to me a little bit about what, what it's like on the day of a final. You've played in FA Cup finals. I know every player is different and there aren't too many players like you anyway. But just in terms of the mindset that you have going into a game like this, you know, there are various characters throughout this Arsenal squad. But, you know, as a collective thing, you know, what's it like on the day, particularly as you're waiting now until half past five yes. in the afternoon for kickoff? Yes. It's not like it used to be three o'clock on a Saturday, sunny day at Wembley. You know, you don't have all day long to think about it. But, you know, what, what what's the mood like? What's the what's the crack like in the dressing room or on the bus or around, if you like? How can I say it's, it's, it's very it's very lightheadedness kind of vibe about it, Andrew. Mm. You know, there's a there's a lightheaded, a, a hazy kind of like, oh my God, it's a tingly, what it was for me, a tingly kind of expectancy that you know at some stage you're going into a massive situation. And obviously there's no crowd there, so it's going to be different for the guys, but you feel it all the way through the day, like the night before you wake up, you wake up and you've got butterflies. You've got butterflies from the time you wake up. I couldn't sleep the night before. And so then you wake up and then it was very difficult um, for me. When I, when I done it at Palace, I did not eat all day. Didn't eat all day because I couldn't keep anything down. Everything was in my mouth and it mushed out because I couldn't actually swallow stuff properly. So I couldn't really eat properly with this one. I ate a little bit, but like I didn't feel hungry. I didn't have an appetite. It was just all thinking about getting to Wembley, what it's going to be like when you get to Wembley. And then when you do get to Wembley, you're out of your natural routine where you, I'm going to go out and warm, out in, warm up in a minute. Mm. I'm going to do this because you've got to stick to protocols. You've got to go out at a certain time. You've got people coming into the dressing room at a certain time. Then you've got to go out before the band. You've got to come in before the band. So you've not got your same kind of preparation, but, the, um, the euphoria of the whole situation and then the build-up of the crowd and everything was going on. Like I say, they ain't going to have a crowd. But those things are the things that kind of get you going and get your energy going. And then, you know, you, you go out and when you used to come out of that tunnel, Andrew, when I was a kid, all I used to want to do was have my studs on clattering up that tunnel because <laughs> I used to think, my God, what, listen to those studs. Then you come out to that unbelievable cacophony of noise. Then you go and everybody's got the cool kits on and it's the beautiful 
beautiful sunny day like it always is. You do the lineup, and then the, the time when I snap into football was after the first couple of touches. Um, because remember the first on the Palace, I didn't start. It came on mm. after 73 minutes. But with, with Sheffield Wednesday, first couple of touches, then all of a sudden I feel like oh, it's just a normal game. It's normal. But leading in, you know, I had to keep going toilet because my stomach was loose. You know what I mean? It was one of those, honestly. It was it was so strange. But then, you know, once the game starts, you kind of get into it. And then going into it when you know that people are expecting you to score mm. as well was like, you know, it was... I felt, I, felt, I felt a lot of pressure with Sheffield Wednesday, a lot of pressure. So to be able to come back, come off of that and, and, and scored in that game, scored in the second game, and you know, because I had to come off because of my ankle in both games. My ankle just was finished after 70 minutes. Mm. And so to not have a hand in making sure that it was finished was so very, so frustrating for me. But the pressure going in, knowing that the fans as well, you guys are thinking... Well, if right, he gets a chance, he's going to score. And I'm thinking, fucking hope if I get a chance, I can score. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I hope I can take the chance. And then you've got fans thinking, he'll score. if right, he gets a chance, he'll score. And to be fair, the first one uh, on, on, on Sheffield Wednesday was the kind of chance you want as a strike. It comes over and instinctively, bam, I just headed it back across the goal. But in the replay, mm. the one where it came, Eddie Tony headed it back, Alan Smith flicked it through. I had all of the half to bear down on Chris Woods. And I was thinking, I need him to do something. And he'd done it. He came, stopped, and then he came again. And that was the time I had to sort my feet and then just chip it over him. And then there's a beautiful moment, guys, where you lot don't know it's gone in because you don't see that it's gone over Chris Wood. So I know it's rolling into the goal where it goes very quiet. It goes silent (laughs) because everybody's like, yeah. And then you look over and then I run and then you just see all of Arsenal because it was nighttime jumping up it's literally it's, it's, it's a it's a it's a moment that you see that i i i could say it's one of the greatest moments of my life that was do, do, do you think uh sorry james i know you want to come in but do you do you think um the occasion of winning the cup if arsenal uh, win the cup tomorrow and fingers crossed we do do you think it will be slightly diminished because of the fact the stadium is is going to be empty apart from james and a few uh, broadcasters <laughs> and journalists no no and the thing is we, no simply because we have to accept it for what it is of course mm. an fa cup final without the fans it literally it, the football without the fans is not proper football we're just finishing off right now so we have to it's not football I don't know how I deal with it because I needed the fans I needed the energy of the fans but for me and what Arsenal are going through from the time Mikel's come in to now and what we've achieved as a team a team that when you looked at with Unai was looking like what's happening here what's going on with us you know we look like we look better we look more organised and you just have to feel that with the right tools we're probably going to get to a place where we're going to be a lot happier. He's calmed the whole of the Arsenal world down with his communication, you know, with his, with, his, with the owners, everybody, the fans, everybody is positive right now. And so I think that we have to win this game simply because of where we are. We we need to be in Europe. I'm hearing that about contract talks on pause simply because they want to see what happens in this game. So there's a lot riding on the game. And you look at Chelsea, guys, and Chelsea have have achieved their goal. They, they're in Champions League spot. They've qualified for Champions League. And this is kind of like just for Frank to put silverware on the table and it will be a magnificent season for them. But for us, with everything what we've gone through, with Mikel coming in at Christmas, one of the most difficult times to deal with anything, let alone a new manager, and get to where we are in the Cup now, it will be unbelievable. And fans or no fans, I think Arsenal fans will have to take that and say, I would take that in these circumstances. And do you think, Ian, there's a sense that Arsenal owe Chelsea one after last year, Baku? That's going to be a massive motivation, isn't it, for this group of players? Listen, the thing as well, you have to look into our dressing room. There's not a lot of experience in in winning, James. Mm. Um, David Luiz is that guy. Everybody who's involved in Arsenal, you can only look back at Baku as... That would never happen under Mikel. I'm just thinking that, you know, you just have to get that out there. Um, under Unai, you looked at it and it was, for me, I think watching an Arsenal game, it was the closest I've come to, to apart from the, 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 the Champions League in 2006, you know, where you just feel yourself welling up. Yeah. And Chelsea fans sending me messages and that. It was the closest I came to actually, like, properly crying. 
properly crying. I felt so humiliated and ashamed and fucking disappointed. And you have to use that, James. You have to use that, Andrew, as you have to embrace the fact that what happened to us, where we were then and where we are now. And if Chelsea go into that game thinking, taking us for granted in any way, thinking that that can happen, then that's good. From, from our point of view, that's a good thing. But Baku is something that we shouldn't shy away from. Embrace it and say, this is an opportunity to, to use that and make sure that with every ounce of everything we've got in us, we're going to make sure that that doesn't happen again. That's all you can ask from the boys. All right. Well, look, let's hope that's what we get from them. Let's hope that we can uh, celebrate uh, extending our record of yes, 13 FA Cups to 14. Number 14 yeah. with uh, perhaps our number 14 scoring the winner would be apt, I think. Yeah. We could yes. deal with that, Ian. Um, enjoy it. Hopefully we'll all enjoy it. And uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. We really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure, guys. Nice to see you. Goodly afternoon, fellas. Goodly afternoon. Cheers, mate. <laughs> James, Ian Wright, I have to say my positivity levels, my excitement levels are are certainly up having spoken to him. Yeah, justifiably so. I mean, you talk about sort of, you know, motivation for a game. You kind of wish he was in there doing the team talk. But I, I'm sure that Mikel Arteta will have the players similarly fired up for this game. And it's great, isn't it, to hear about the significance of a cup final and that butterfly feeling to, to mm. hear from a player who experiences that, you know, every inch as much as the fans is always fantastic. Mm. I am, I'm really hoping as well. I do think that was a, a great question about Baku and about what happened there. And I know uh, at his press conference, Arteta was asked, you know, is Baku, you know, uh, does that have any relevance? And he was sort of like, no, not really because so much happens in football. But I think if you're an Arsenal player, You've got to be thinking about what happened there, what happened in that game, how you felt at the end of that that defeat. Um, mm. And the fact that, you know, on top of that, the motivation for this game has got to be so high because of the implications for next season as well. I think, you know, at this level, there is so little between teams that you're looking for the 0.5%, the 1%, the little thing that might just give you a bit extra. And revenge is one of those things. Absolutely. And it is it is predominantly the same group of players, isn't it? So yeah. the motivation's got to be there. And yeah, the stakes are really high. Let's just hope they pull through. And, and like Ian, you know, I have a lot more confidence, I think, going into this final mm. uh, with the head coach we have in charge now than I probably did a year ago. Sure thing. OK, well, look, we have got to the end of part one of this special Arsecast Extra ahead of the FA Cup final 2020. Uh, if you do want a bit more Ian Wright, and who doesn't need a bit more Ian Wright in their lives, go and check out the latest episode from our friends at Stadio's Stadio podcast. Uh, we've had Musa, we've had Ryan on here before. So Musa and Ryan had a good chat with Ian during the week. Stadio podcast. They're at Stadio on Twitter. They've got some more Ian Wright, if that's what you're looking for. Right. We'll take a break. We'll come back with uh, your FA Cup final questions and more in part two right after this. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra, the pre-FA Cup final Arsecast Extra. This is part two where we answer questions in uh, in in with our mouths uh, that you sent to us on Twitter at Gunnerblog and our Arseblog on the Arseblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Arseblog and on the Arseblog Discord chat server, which you get access to if you are an Arseblog member on Patreon. Just before we do, last week on the Arsecast, I ran a competition uh, in which you could win a home shirt, one of the brand new home shirts. Uh, the question was, who was our new number seven? The answer, of course, Bakayo Saka. And the winner, as selected by the random number generator, is Jack J. Hall. So well done to you, Jack. I'll drop you an email. I'll be in touch. I'll get your details, your address, your shirt size, and all the rest. And we will get that sent out to you. So uh, well done to you. Uh, commiserations to everybody else. But hopefully, Arsenal can make up for it by, um, by winning the FA Cup this week. Weekend, which, as we've ascertained, would be a nice thing. Apparently, <laughs> we, we think that would be. We nice. think we're edging towards that. Conclusion. Edging towards that being nice. Speaking of the home shirt, etc., etc. Rian Vacha says a bit of an irrelevant question, but what are your thoughts on wearing next season's kit in this season's FA Cup final? I don't like it. I think it's bad. But as nice as that kit was. It's not exactly done us any favours this year, has it? So mm. I don't think you could argue it's been a lucky shirt, you know, really. No, no, if you believe in such things. Um, I, what, I do did, you think, what do you think about it? I feel like probably I don't give a fuck. I'm until, worried about the font. Until, I'm worried about oh, the font Jesus, in a big the, way. The font is terrible. Terrible. Um you know, our friend David Rudnick, uh, I asked him about it last night uh, as the, the master, the guru, the man who knows everything about fonts and whether they're the good master. or bad, the font master general. And like, I, you know, I know when a font is bad and when a font is good, but I, I need to know how how bad this particular font was. And his his response to me was, yeah, that th- this is potentially a really, really bad font. You know, on the other hand, if we win it, I couldn't give a shit if we went out wearing red and white tutus and cropless belly tops or whatever. I just couldn't give a fuck. It wouldn't make any difference to me. I think uh, I think my my thoughts on this are pretty much uh, tied into whether or not the game is a success for Arsenal or not. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand this font. It's sort of like olden days. <laughs> Ye olde Arsenal font. Um, but ultimately, if they win in it, I, w- I won't care, I yeah. don't think. Um, I know it will upset David and other purists because they'll have to look at pictures of that font forever. Um, what even is the name of that font? I don't know. Like crapper gothic something like yeah. that <laughs> uh, it is a bit of an eyesore especially sort of against the arrows on the kit it's just mm. like a, very confusing and i imagine that is what we'll be wearing um that is in fact what we're wearing in the final confirmed yeah. that font so yeah i don't know look i i i think it's a little bit of a break from tradition to wear the new kit but you know it's just one of those aspects of modern football that i've sort of grudgingly accepted yeah it's kind of like gothic comic sans or something yes it is it is just not comic good sans, as we know is terrible mm, not good not good anyway look let's leave that aside let's hope it's a winning shirt and uh, nobody will really care one way or the other what we're wearing uh, if we do the business absolutely absolutely um let's have another question by the way i don't know how this is going to affect your excitement slash positivity level but i've just seen a quote from uh michael arteta yeah who says uh i want it to already be tomorrow i want to be there and to feel my players and go out there and win that trophy well look if arsenal's players cannot win a game of football after being felt up by a man as handsome as Mikel Arteta, then there's no hope for us. We might as well just fold the club, get it over and done with, and just quit and do something else. Turn the Emirates mm. into a nice lawn bowls, a beautifully manicured lawn bowls pitch or whatever you call them. What do you call lawn bowls? Rinks? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Is it a rink? Is it a bowling rink? I don't, I don't know. know. A bowls lawn? I think it's lawn. Right. I think it's okay. lawn. 
Okay. Well, look, now my excitement is a bit better because I've got slightly erotic images in my mind about what's going on in the the tunnel. Based on what he said there. Um, Tim Mutlow asks, who's at MutzNuts7, we've beaten some of the big teams in the league, he's put big in inverted commas, Mm. by shutting them out like Man City and Liverpool. Do you think Chelsea get the same level of respect as we aren't as far of them as the top two. Is playing a final so defensively a good idea? Good question. Well... That's the question, I think. That is a good question. I... I'm curious to see the approach because I think the games against Chelsea generally this season have been quite even, haven't they? Think of that game at the Emirates... And we were all over them in the first half. And then they brought on... Did they bring on Jorginho? And we found it a bit more of a struggle. But they only beat us because of... There was a mistake from Bernd Leno, wasn't there? And I can't remember the second goal. I think that was probably also a mistake. Um, probably. It was really late. I think we it was one of those where it was like, oh, fuck, we've conceded and there's only a couple of minutes to go. And then it was like, oh, fuck. Let's just let an- another one in because that's what we do. Two goals in the last 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, but in general, it was a pretty even game. And my recollection of that first half is that um, we we played very well. Um, the second game, of course, was marred by the the red card. Sending off. The sending yeah. off of, of David Luiz. Uh, a mention of his name. My anxiety levels are now at 98%. Um, <laughs> We've done so well. We've got so far into the show. And then I just thought of David Luiz against Chelsea. Um, you know, what I liked about what we did in that game, in that second half in particular against Chelsea, was that it was kind of brave, wasn't it? Because mm-hmm. who we was he about? Especially. Who was he about to bring on? He was about to bring somebody on after the red card. Probably Joe Willock. It's usually Joe Willock. It Willick. could have been. I can't remember exactly who it was. No, he was going to bring Martinelli off, wasn't yeah. he? That was the change, and I'm not sure who it was for. But he didn't make it. He didn't make course, it in the end. Of course, rewarded, rewarded with that goal. And then, of course, after Chelsea went ahead again, we had a Hector Bellerin goal, which got us back into it. So, you know, I think. Clearly, Chelsea are a very good side. Um, they're a little more advanced than we are. They've got the key players in key positions, maybe that we don't quite have in midfield um, and at the centre of their defence. Um, but I don't think we can approach it in exactly the same way as we did against Liverpool or Man City, because I think Man City and Liverpool are far superior to Chelsea. So I think Arteta's approach is going to be a bit more proactive in this one. So I don't expect it to be like a backs-to-the-wall defensive job. Yeah, I, I don't think it should be. Let's put it like that. I think that Arsenal are closer to this Chelsea team and more able to hurt them at the back. And I, as much as, as successful as that approach was against Liverpool and City, I do think the gulf between those sides and us is so much wider. And that if we surrender the initiative quite that much, I think we might pay for it. Um, mm. I, you know, I, I don't think we should be forced to surrender it quite so much. And yeah, uh, I, yeah I think we should lean into our strengths a little bit more. I mean, what the only thing I would say is it will kind of depend on how the game plays out because, you know, I don't think Mikel Arteta, even let's say those Man City and Liverpool games where granted they became a kind of backs against the wall performance and the team definitely was set up to counter-attack. I still don't think he would have hoped or wanted it to be quite as one-sided as it felt at true, times. True, true. Um, he, he did say that after Liverpool, didn't he? That this, you know, this wasn't necessarily the game plan. No, and, and we showed, I think, the game plan better against City because we did actually provide threat mm. on the break. Uh, against Liverpool, we only sort of got goals by capitalising on mistakes. Mm. But, it, yeah, I think Arsenal should approach this a little bit more uh, confidently. And, um, I, yeah, I hope they do. I hope they do. I hope that they go at it sort of early on because, as I said the other day, I'm just 
convinced that the first goal is going to be absolutely yeah, massive. I think so. I think so. Um, on Facebook, Jimmy Kyo says, and I know he had this on Monday as well, but he says, should serious consideration be given to the possibility of starting Socrates for the final, given the physicality he'll bring to try and nullify Giroud? Yeah, we, t- we talked about it, didn't we, as a, as a prospect? Mm. Where I are think- you? Where are you now on Friday as opposed to where you were on Monday? Mm, I think now I mm. sort of have an attitude of, you know, I, I think it's a big risk yeah. for someone who's not played a lot of football. That's the um, thing, yeah, throwing him in cold. I think in the wake of a, a defensive display, which was not great by Rob Holding or David Luiz against, um, uh, against Watford, you, your immediate thought is, well, I would rather play a traffic cone uh, in the centre of defence, or you're more predisposed to the idea of somebody else coming in. Mm. Uh, and if we had a traffic cone who had a lot of match practice, you know, we would yeah. be doing that. Well, actually, in his press conference today, Mikel Arteta was asked if it would be nice to have a traffic cone, and he said, yeah, yeah, it would be, it would be nice okay. to have a defensive traffic cone. Uh, but we don't, and that's, you know, down to the squad building, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I just think that, like, I know it happened with Per Mertesacker, where he had barely played all season. I think his only appearance in the 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 entire season before the 2017 Cup final was on the final day uh, in the game in which Koscielny got sent off and Gabriel injured his, his ankle. So he had like 60 or 30 minutes or something as a sub um, and he came into that FA Cup final as cold as cold can be, as cold as ice. Uh, apparently, uh, and we saw how that, how well that went. I'm just not necessarily sure that is the blueprint or or something that you could hope to replicate. No, I think some kind of you know dark magic was happening that day, and I don't know if we can absolutely rely on that. Um, I, I, you know, as I said the other day, I would have played Socrates against Watford to give ourselves an option, you know, to mm. give them a little bit of game time. Um, Funnily enough, I was talking about someone about Socrates in the week and they said his attitude around the place remains really positive and that he he's a guy who helps everybody out, who gives advice to the younger players. Like, you know, there's nothing in him that would suggest that he's not being selected for reasons like certain other players mm. in the squad. He's absolutely been on board and working hard. Clearly, Mikel Arteta just really doesn't fancy him as a player, which must be a fairly painful position for him to be in, but uh, Mm. that does appear to be where we are. Uh, Is it my question or your question? I think it's mine. What about this one? Herbert's Army says, Hazard was instrumental for Chelsea in the Baku disaster. Mm. How far do you think his absence this time may tip the balance in our favour? I, I it don't didn't know. help us, did it? No, it didn't. It didn't because he's a really, really good player. But as you outlined earlier on, they do have uh, some very good options. Maybe not quite at the level of Eden Hazard just yet. Uh, but when you look at the impact that, that Pulisic has had, um, you know he's a he's a really exciting player. Um, so I don't. I don't really think the absence of one player is going to be the defining factor in in this particular game Uh, because, you know, it's going to play out differently anyway. It's going to be the presence of one player in David Luiz. Mm. (laughs) That's going to define the game. No, because he's going to score a 30-yard free kick at last. At long last, he's going to rocket one into the top corner. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Um, The internet will explode. I can imagine that in the same way that I can also imagine an elephant in a top hat in a hot air balloon traversing the earth with a monkey army beside him. (laughs) (laughs) Terrifying. Yeah, true. Terrifying. Easy to imagine, but the reality and the practicalities of that, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So, look, I don't think Hazard's... um, Absence is really going to tip the balance in our favour. I think we've got to do what we can do well, as well as we can do it. And we've got, I mean, speaking of Luis, we need him to have a game like he had against Man City. That is that is what we need from David Luiz tomorrow. Anything less than that, and I I wonder, you know, you can almost tell when he's going to have one of his days. So I think we'll know in the first 10 minutes, probably. We'll see... 
this isn't good for the percentage. This isn't good for the... 99.9999999999. Yeah, it will be interesting because he will be hyped up and that can go one of two ways. As for Hazard... If he was playing for Chelsea this season and then he was sort of injured for this game, I'd be like, oh, that's a big advantage. But they have had a year to get used to the fact he's probably not going to be playing for them. Um, so I'm not sure how much it helps us. Uh, does it make it easier than Baku? Possibly. Mm. Possibly. But Baku went so badly that we would need it to be, you know, we, we might need more than that for it to swing in the other direction. Yeah. Um, let me see. I mean, we've got a lot of questions about um, Aubameyang and whether this might be his last game and stuff like yeah. that. I don't really think in the build-up to an FA Cup final, that's a discussion that we need to have because, A, we don't we'll know. time. Yeah, exactly. And we'll have plenty of time afterwards where the result will have perhaps an impact or a bearing on that. Uh, it was one of the things, aside from, would it be nice to win the FA Cup that Mikel Arteta was asked in his press conference and he was asked, you know, do, do you feel, uh, are you worried that this might be Aubameyang's last game? And he said, no, I'm not worried about that at all. Maybe it's just because he didn't want to address that particular subject in, in the build-up. So, um, it wouldn't be a great time, would it, to say, do you know what, I think it might be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Now that you mention it, hmm, quite yeah. possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep a little <laughs> bit more pressure. That. Yeah. Well, thanks for pointing it out, guys. Wow, yeah, you guys are so on the ball. Um, brief yeah. one here. David McKenzie on the Discord says, are you actually worried about Anthony Taylor being the ref? Should I be? Talk to me about Anthony Taylor. I don't... For me, I don't pay a huge amount of attention to individual referees. Apart from the referees whose conduct dictates that there must be a huge amount of attention paid to them, mm. like Mike D. Um I mean, uh, if, if it was if it was uh, Anthony Taylor against an Arsene Wenger team, I suspect I might be a little bit more worried because, you know, there was no love lost between those two men. But Taylor was, of course, the referee in the 2017 final. He, ah, he was. He and yes, his team right. of, of hapless officials missed <laughs> whatever it was. What was it about the Alexis goal? Was it a handball? I think it was a handball, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was. Mm. It was. So they missed so- that. Actually, Chelsea fans, as far as I can tell, just from scanning social media, believe that Anthony Taylor hates them. I hope he um, does. I genuinely hope he hates them with all his heart. He really, his heart is black with hatred for the Chelsea scum. He, yeah, I mean, look, football supporters have all these theories, but it does appear, I mean, it's funny, when you look at the sort of replies to the announcement, there are Arsenal fans claiming that this referee is biased against them, and there are also Chelsea mm. fans uh, claiming the same. Um, but it seems to be more Chelsea fans expressing concern. Who is right? Who is right? We'll never know. You'd imagine off the back of um, of that 2017 final, because, yeah, things did, as I recall, go in our favour that day. All right, let's just have a couple of quick ones to finish us off here because we've got to get this podcast out for the people. First one from Keith Bowman, who's at Giza NZ, who says, who says, rather, what would you rather, a tense daylight robbery winner like 2005 or a roller coaster like the whole final? Or just run on a treadmill on Max until you pass out, he says. I'd like... Um you know when we beat Aston Villa 4-0? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'd like one of those, if that's at all possible. Me too. Um, Me too. That, that would be the best for my nerves. I think during the game it would be the best. Post-game, if you were to bang in like an 89th-minute winner against the run of play, you know, there's a lot to take from that. But is it worth the endurance, what you suffer before it? I'm not 100% sure it is. Like any game... I would prefer for Arsenal to be very good, to win comfortably, to not feel too much pressure. I think there's a lot to be said for that. You know, for one's nerves, for the ulcers, for the heart, for the blood pressure, for the graying hair, all that kind of stuff. I think yeah. I think Arsenal, after this particular season, they actually owe us that. And to be fair, they kind of provided something similar in the semi-final. Um, it was relatively, relatively comfortable. But I think... Yeah, I think also a 4-0 win over Aston Villa and a 4-0 win over Chelsea are very different mm. positions, aren't they? And 
if we could, I would absolutely choose to put them to the sword. I think we owe it to them after they hammered us in Baku. Okay, final one from Alex, who's at Pete Botel, says, if you could drink anything out of the FA Cup trophy, what would it be? (laughs) Uh, Champagne after we've won, I presume. Okay, I'm going for Frank Lampard's tears. But there you go. Uh, probably salty. not the probably not the most um, hygienic thing in this uh, Mix them with COVID champagne. world. Mix them, maybe. <laughs> well, look, let's hope we're drinking something out of a trophy at the end of the game on Saturday, James. Uh, enjoy it in as much as you can, given you're working and everything else, but enjoy the, uh, the fact that you're going to be at Wembley and um, hopefully watching Arsenal lift their 14th FA Cup. I'll be the guy on the pitch at the end trying to kiss Mikel Arteta. Uh, being dragged away by security and COVID officials. I think it's your duty. I think it's actually your duty if we win it. Fuck your career as a journalist. Just just do it. Do it. Sure. How bad can prison be, ultimately? There's a question. <laughs> There's a question. But look, you Join us next season when we'll find out yeah. as James broadcasts live from his cell. Yeah. Um, we'll have to do one of those, like, you know, when they do those true crime podcasts, it's like, this is a call from the Pentonville yeah. State Penitentiary. <laughs> do you accept the charges? And James is like, hello, I'm talking on the phone. <laughs> anyway, look, let's hope we have a great weekend. Everybody, get yourselves up for the game. Enjoy it in any way that you can. Of course, that's dictated to by what happens on the pitch we'll be here on monday to talk about it whatever happens in the arsecast extra fingers crossed for a good arsenal performance if not that fingers crossed for a win any way we can get it come on you reds let's get up for the cup we'll catch you on the next one bye-bye Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.